Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Time for another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcastone.com and iTunes. Thank you guys for listening, downloading, streaming, however you connect. Appreciate you doing so. It's always great to hear from people literally all over the world that listen to this podcast each and every week. And I appreciate your support. We always like to bring you some great interviews. As I always say, the interviews you hear are courtesy of my radio show, which you can hear every day on Sirius XM Channel 106, which is Volume. That's the name of the channel. show is called Trunk Nation. It's live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. It replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. And you can also get complete shows on the Sirius XM app. So be sure to check it out. Become a subscriber if you aren't one already. If you are a subscriber and you don't get Channel 106, well, by all means, upgrade for a couple bucks a month. You get volume and a bunch of other great shows as well and hear me yapping every day with some of your favorite rock artists, taking your calls, commentary, and a whole lot more. Appreciate you being on board on the on the uh, SiriusXM side and also being able to bring you some of the uh, cherry-picked best-of interviews from that show. Just really scratching the surface what you get here on the podcast versus what you get on a daily basis over on SiriusXM. So this week... Uh, one I fast-tracked a little bit because it was such a big news-making interview. I thought it would be something we should really get on the air for you guys here on the podcast as soon as possible. And that is Sammy Hagar. We're going to get to Sammy as my guest in just a couple seconds here. Do want to remind you, though, that I have my own Amazon storefront. So by all means, when you go to Amazon.com, start on my page, which is Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. When you go there, you will be able to uh, see some items that I handpicked to include in my store. Have a look, see if there's anything you like, and uh, move on and do any of your other Amazon shopping from that page. It's important that you start with and bookmark that page, though, as your entryway into Amazon. Appreciate you doing that again. Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk is where to begin your Amazon shopping. 
lot of stuff going on as usual. A lot of things to update you guys on. So here we go. This weekend, I'm in Houston, Texas on Saturday in actually Berkshire, Texas. Or am I saying? Is it, yeah, Berkshire, Berkshire. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's about 40, 40 minutes from what they tell me outside of Houston. I'll be there on Saturday night if you're listening to this on the day of post, which is Thursday. I will be there on uh, Saturday hosting a show called ParFest, which is a bunch of local bands. I understand this festival is gone for like three years. Small festival, a bunch of local bands, and then headlined by Don Dockin playing solo acoustic. And I will be there uh, meeting and greeting and saying hello to everybody and uh, hosting a little bit. So if you're in that area of the country, hope to see you on Saturday. Then from there, I fly over to Los Angeles. I will be in L.A. doing my volume show from L.A. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. Also, very exciting news, and I'm sure you guys heard about this by now. Stone Temple Pilots are about to announce their new singer. They're going to be playing a special show at the Troubadour, their first ever with him on Tuesday. And I'm going to be out there doing a radio special and covering all of it, doing the first interview with STP with the new singer, and also being at the show at the Troubadour on Tuesday. So big stuff. I've been really lucky to be involved with uh, some stuff with Stone Temple Pilots recently, including the reissue of the core record, and spent a lot of time with the guys, and it's always good to see them, and I appreciate being a part of this as well. So that's happening the early part of next week as I'm in Southern California. Then I come back. Of course, we're getting ready to hit Thanksgiving. And then from there, I get ready to head to Tulsa, back to Tulsa, home away from home these days. And I'll be in Tulsa rolling in there for December 1st, the IDL Ballroom. And Lita Ford and Jack Russell's Great White, which I'll be hosting. Then from there, I'm going over to Los Angeles again from Tulsa. Just been announced that I will be the host of the Frontiers Holiday Party, Frontiers Records an Italian record label that releases a ton of 80s artist music. They're doing a holiday uh, event at uh, the Canyon Club in Agora Hills on December 2nd, and the lineup includes, or is, L.A. Guns, Warrant, Jack Russell's Great White, and also the River Dogs, which is a Vivian Campbell band. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to being there to host that again on December 2nd. And spending a little time in Southern California. And then from there, I go back to Tulsa, to the Hard Rock, which is uh, definitely my home base there. Great place in Tulsa. And do my radio show for a few days from the Hard Rock in Tulsa. My guests there will include Alter Bridge. And maybe we'll grab Lita Ford since she's playing around the time I'm there. And also will include author Kurt Gooch and some others. And then I'm going to check out Alter Bridge, who are playing there in Tulsa, and then come home. And then I'm home for a week, and then I head to Dallas, back to Texas again. And I will be hosting the Metal Holiday Concert, which is happening at the Bomb Factory in Dallas on December 16th. That also features Ace Freely, L.A. Guns, and more. So that's what the balance of this year is looking like for me i hope to see you out and about at some of these events holiday season rolling in a lot of good stuff going on and it should be a lot of fun across the board and then as we peek into 27 we're already into 17 we're done with 17 speaking uh 2018 bunch of cruises coming up including the monsters of rock cruise and cruise to the edge both of which i will be broadcasting my volume show from live once again as usual eddytrunk.com homepage has got all my appearances on it 
and be sure to check out the uh, check out the uh, appearances in the social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, where I would be most active. When you're on my site, don't forget to have a look at uh, the merch store, the Trunk Report, which is my blog, and music news updated on a daily basis that Dana Rosen gives to us on the site. So, so much going on. And again, just giving you a little brief update on everything going on in my world. Of course, my TV show for Access TV will premiere next year. So excited about that as well. I think that's the overview for the moment. Now let's begin to talk about what we're going to do this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And that is the interview you're about to hear with Sammy Hagar. Sammy, as I've said many times, has become a friend over the years. I always was a fan of Sammy Hagar's, even before I knew him, long before I knew him, and well before he joined Van Halen. As somebody who lives and continues to live on the East Coast in New Jersey, to be specific, Sammy Hagar is an artist that notoriously has had difficulty drawing people on the East Coast, as he will be the first to tell you. So back when I was a kid and a fan of Sammy Hagar's, I rarely got to see him play live during his solo years because he couldn't get gigs in the New Jersey, New York area. And most of them, when he did, were not very successful. There are legendary stories about Sammy Hagar opening for Kiss and getting booed off the stage. I mean, just crazy stuff, which is kind of hard to believe, but stuff that absolutely did happen. And... I used to travel to go see Sammy, and I was a big fan, like I said, well before the Van Halen years. And then got to know him over the years, had him on that metal show a bunch of times, and he's really one of my favorite people to interview. He wears his emotions and his heart on his sleeve. He's very honest. He's very transparent about everything. And he's just a good guy. He's just a fun guy to hang out, and what you see is what you get with him. I always related to him on that level before I even knew him. And then when I got to know him, it was really cool because I was like, wow, the guy I actually thought he would be if I knew him really is that guy. And there is always going to be people that, you know, are going to say stuff and have their issues with Sammy or don't like his position on Van Halen or what he does or doesn't want to see happen and all this stuff. But to me, I've said this so many times, Van Halen to me, is two different bands with Sammy or Dave. Both great, but both different bands. I've never, ever understood and never, ever been in this school of thought where you have to choose a side. There are people in Van Halen land that they feel like you have to choose a side. You have to either be a Sam Sam guy or Dave guy. You can't like both bands. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And I've always liked both versions of the band. So Sammy is somebody that's been on my shows a lot because he's out there and talking and he's engaged and he's personable and he does interviews. I'd love to have some of the other guys from Van Halen on this show and get different opinions and and voices, but they don't do interviews. They don't talk. They're, They're practically invisible. And as I said, Sammy's quite the opposite, and he lays it out and tells it how it is. He recently celebrated his 70th birthday. For a brief time, there was a chance I was going to be able to go to that and actually even maybe broadcast from it, but that kind of fell apart. But Sammy had a great time there at his birthday, as you're about to hear, and it was shot for an upcoming movie 
which is hitting theaters for one day on December 5th. And uh, the interview you're about to hear towards the end, I asked Sammy about turning 70, which it's ridiculous to think the guy is 70 years old because he doesn't look or act 70 in any way. But uh, I asked him about that. And then towards the very end of the interview, I will ask him about Van Halen. And if anybody from Van Halen reached out to him around his birthday. And the answer he gives in this interview made news all over the world. Because it was honest and Sammy was saying exactly what was in his heart. Some people criticize him for that. How and why you would, I have no idea. But I respect Sammy's take on this. Um, You know, I think it comes from a very, very good place and a place that, uh, you know, is very, you know, very reflective for a guy who just hit 70, especially in light of all these artists that we see passing away. So all that to say, I think you'll enjoy this interview. We talk about a lot of stuff and uh, the Van Halen stuff at the end, of course, made all the headlines when it was originally aired about two weeks ago. So get ready for Sammy Hagar, one of my favorite people, joining me this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I think you will enjoy this conversation, and we'll get it going for you right after this. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. True car, true car, true car. You know it, you love it. In order to feel comfortable when you're getting a fair price, you need pricing context information that empowers you to feel confident. And with true car, you'll see what other people in your local market paid for the car you want. From there, you can connect with a local true car certified dealer and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Using true car, you can easily find the car you want. True Car will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want, and now you know what a fair price is. So you can feel confident. There's that confidence thing, right? Once you register, you'll see real pricing on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by a True Car certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership so you can feel confident when you show up. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. True Car customers, well, they are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with True Car certified dealers. And True Car users, they will save an average of over three grand off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Now on Podcast One Sports, it's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Hear incredible stories on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast. Oh my. And guess who's talking America's favorite basketball team. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time for America's Lakers podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, the new Podcast One app, and where else, Jay? PodcastOne.com. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get into it with the Red Rocker, Sammy Hagar. Once again, this audio is courtesy of my radio show on Sirius XM 106 Volume. Enjoy some time with the Red Rocker talking about his 70th birthday and a whole lot more. 
Here we go. Sammy Hagar, everybody. I texted him a happy birthday on his birthday, but now for the first time verbally, I can wish you a happy, a happy, happy 70th, Sammy. Hope you had a great day. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm, I'm great, Eddie. I'm, uh, I don't feel 70. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. It? It, it's like, I, I can't even tell you everybody's saying, wow, you know, wow. I'm going, yeah, wow. It's just really, really weird. Like I've never, ever thought about any age, right? Even when I turned 50, you know, everybody's, oh, but now I'm thinking this is a real milestone. 70 to, to me, when I was a kid growing up, my grandpa, when he was 70, he was done. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're looking at, so I hope no one's looking at me as being done <laughs> because I'm going to a hundred. So when I'm a hundred, that's what my next celebration is going to be for a hundred. And then, uh, I hope to be the oldest living rock star on the planet someday. How about that? Well, you know, you bring up an interesting thing because we, I, I think age and the, the perception of age has certainly changed some, especially in the rock world, because when you see Mick Jagger and the Stones still out there so good, you see some of these guys, and, and now you're in that category of be still being so good and so active at this age. I've always said, Sammy, as a fan I don't care how old an artist is, as long as they're still able to be good, as long as they can still be close to what they always have been, and they're not up there making a joke of themselves. And, you know, you're far from that. I mean, you you clearly feel good and still sing good, right? Yeah, no, it's it's. I feel the same way as you. You know, I, I never, ever looked at Keith you know, who, who probably looks the worst for his age of anyone, right? I love the way he looks. So to me, I'm going, it is so cool. I don't care how burnt he looks and how, you know, <laughs> drugged out he's been in his days but and all that. But I, I love him to death because he still, he gives it up. He's the real deal. He is a real rock and roll star, you know. And I don't think of myself like that, anything like Keith, but I just, he is definitely one of my heroes and I because to me, 20 years ago, he looked like he was 70, right? <laughs> Which is, like I said, it was a cool, it, it's a cool look. It's like, come on, this guy, don't give up. You know, you know what, man? He's like up there saying, I'm playing rock and roll. You got a problem with this? You know, so, yeah. But guys like hero. guys like the Stones, guys like yourself, Alice Cooper, there's guys out there that are in, you know, Steven Tyler, that, that really have, and, and let's be honest, there's a lot of guys that honestly should hang it up and should stop because they've stayed too long at the party. <laughs> We're not going to start mentioning names now, are we? No, we'll be nice. Oh, it's Halloween. Yeah, but, but, I don't want... You know, we can't sling no mud right now. We're, we're way too happy for that, right? Right. No, so I'm not going to do that. But when I'm, I'm talking about the positive side of it, and you fall in, in that sort of the ledger. Do, do, do you feel like, as far as vocally and performance-wise, you're still active. You got the circle. You're out there playing all the time. Do you feel pretty much the same, or are there things that you know you can't do like you used to do when you were younger? Well, as far as musically, there's nothing that I can't do. You know, I can sing every song I've ever written in my life. And uh, sometimes I, I move the key down a little bit, you know, which is kind of like my new my new discovery was everyone tunes down a half step, you know. And uh, when I've, I've been tuning down a half step since Van Halen, you know, it's just something you go out live. It, it, even though you can hit the notes, you, after about 40 shows in, you know, you start getting 
your voice starts tightening up and getting beat up, and, and it's not as easy to sing. So you tune down a little bit. So I tune down. I'm telling everybody I got a, a really good trick. I tune down a whole step because when you tune down a half step and you have perfect pitch, when you go to hit an A note, which is an A440, which is what everything's based off of, you, you're a half step off. And a half step is like Chinese music, man. It's like, you know, that like Indian music. <laughs> so it's harder to sing on key at a half step down. You tune a whole step down, you're still an A440. You just change the key of the song. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone, but it's my new secret of all time. I can sing night after night now. I can sing more nights in a row. I can sing... Uh, the high notes, just like piece of cake, and you know, and and something like you know, when it's love, you know, I can't tell you, but it'll last forever. You know, it's like that's a high note, brother. And uh, and when you, I can bang that sucker out like it's nothing. And um, it's it's it's. What about good. dreams? Could you still do dreams? Yeah, but I I we do dreams acoustically now because it's so to me it's so much better. You know, uh, dreams is so when I hear. The original Van version. It's so intense. It almost like wears me out. It's like just listening to it, I'm going, oh, man, it's exhausting, you know, because it's so intense. The music and the way Al's playing the drums, it's badass, but that's a young man song. That has nothing to do with being able to hit the notes or not. They're just the intensity of it. It's like, nah, we slowed it down, put the in a real low key, and I sing in it in the lowest voice possible, and I... And the lyrics are so much more powerful that way. I, I mean, you know, it's not my goal to make people cry, but that song always makes people cry in the audience. And, and it damn near makes me cry half the time singing it. So uh, I, I just feel a lot more power in that. But all the other songs, it's the same. You know, <clears throat> any, any of the Van Halen stuff, the Montrose stuff, piece of cake, man. You know, rock candy, sing it every night. Well, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about, of course, and we're going to talk about this film you have coming that documents your recent birthday party. But just just looking over your career and your history, and you know how much I love you and as much as much I love uh, what you've done musically as well. The, speaking of Montrose, as I'm sure you know, the first two records, which you are a big part of, were just recently reissued in these double deluxe editions. I'm looking at them right now, and they've got the a bonus uh, sort of concerts on there uh, from a radio station, I guess, KSAN Radio Sessions. Have you seen these? Were you involved in these? Oh, absolutely. No, I had, I was, I was, you know, uh, in, Ronnie's wife, Lisa, was the one who instigated the whole thing and I, and asked me for my, you know, input. And I, of course, anything to do with, with me, especially at the beginning of my career, I'm going to look at it as close as anything I would possibly do. So I stayed totally involved with it right up to the, you know, um, the liner notes and everything else. Um, I don't really like going back that far and re-releasing things. I mean, I don't see any use for it, you know, but I guess they've been remastered and it was originally on vinyl. So the vinyl is no big deal to me. I just, when I got my stack of new vinyl records from the first and second mantra record, I just put them in the pile with my old original ones. Right? <laughs> you know, because that was, that was a vinyl era, man, that and eight tracks even, you know, but um, the cool thing about, the coolest thing about this new release for me is that it, the first gig we ever did was on KSAN Radio with Tom Donahue. He was the kind of the inventor of of um, album rock radio, you know, the FM uh, radio, the way it used to be at KSAN and um, in San Francisco. And, and they did live shows, and we we did a live show. And, and the guy's snorting coke. If you listen to when he talks, he's like, saying, yeah, and he goes, yeah, and so uh, these little guys, I don't think they have a name yet, you know, ah, yeah, you know, and then he's smoking a joint later, <laughs> it's like, right it was classic, and we, 
if you listen to that, it's the real recording. I mean, we didn't fix it. It's a bad recording. It's but we were playing so fast, rock candy's as fast as freaking bad motor scooter. <laughs> rock candy almost sounds like it, it's it. Rock candy has like a funk sort of boogie to it. It's got a totally different feel to it in this live recording than the album. It's, the album it, it's such a big heavy riff, and and this is almost like a ditty the way it's played. I know, man. It's like da 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 da. You know, it's kind of like yeah. Like the Johnny Carson theme in the old days, or something. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, it's that I think is the coolest thing about that whole release, though, is that it has that because that show, who know? I don't even know what happened to that. I don't know how they dug it up, and it had to be on reel to reel or something. And so it's probably horrible quality, and took a lot of pro tooling and things to get it up to sound decent. But um, but it's just so raw. It's you're hearing the beginning of Sammy Hagar. I mean, that's the beginning. The first thing I ever did on radio, that's the first thing I ever did. It was like close to being in a real rock band ready to go on tour. That that was Montrose, and, and that was our first performance, man. It was it was a trip. <laughs> and I, that's exactly- it, I freak out. I hear my voice. It sounds like I'm on helium, man. <laughs> <laughs> Singing so dreams would be up. no problem back then, right? <laughs> yeah, and I was so serious. That's what's, that's what's making anyone laugh. I don't think I smiled until about the third year in as a on the road i finally decided to smile on stage you know we were always so serious we were tough guys you know and uh anyway it's it's, it's funny i could be singing about a cat food and it sounds like i'm you know dying it's like <laughs> <laughs> well the reason why i bring it up too is because you just mentioned that was the beginning of sammy hagar and the film you have coming is going to document you at 70 years old, so a lot of years and a lot of bands and a lot of music and records went have gone by since Montrose and where we are at now. And, you know, I wonder when I listen to this, because I just got these reissues and I just spent time listening to it, you know, I wonder, like, you know, putting yourself as that kid back then playing live on the radio for the first time, making your first record, did, was there any side of you at all that envisioned your career lasting like it did? Did you, were you, did you know, did you feel that Montrose for you at least was going to be short lived? And did you have a plan in your mind already that what you were going to do when, when it it fell apart for you? Absolutely not. You know, so many people think I'm such a a smart businessman that I'm always thinking ahead and all that. No, I, I am, I am like a, like an insect yeah, I just put my nose to the ground and I just keep moving. And if I get too hot, I go over where it's colder. If I get too cold, I move over where it's warmer. And that's the way I go through life and that's the way I go through my career. I don't plan on leaving bands. What am I going to do next? And I mean, I do now because I don't care anymore, you know. And it's like now it's like, hey, I'll do anything I want. You know, there's no no restrictions on me. I'm not trying to make it anymore. All those kind of things. So now I'm I'm, I'm a little more methodical, and I'll say, hey, I think I'll do this. I think I'll call up Joe Satriani and put Chickenfoot back together. You know, those kind of things. But but those <clears throat> those days, I thought Montrose was going to be my lifetime band. I thought by the time I was 40, I would be rich and famous and retired. And I thought it would just, I, I never saw a solo career. I never saw who I am today. I never saw the, you know, the tequila coming. I, I never saw any of this. You know, I never saw the philanthropy that I'm doing now. Uh, it's, it's so crazy. The only thing that I saw was, I used to think, even in Montrose, that I was going to write a book. I thought I was going to write a book. I had this science fiction movie idea about, you know, uh, the return of, of Christ coming from outer space, you know, and I had this this whole big space thing that, you know, 
uh, Space Station Number 5 and, and Silver Light, some of those early songs, Someone Out There, was all about that. And, and I was really trying to write a concept book someday and, that I wanted to turn into a movie. I had that vision. So I finally I wrote my biography. It was nothing to do with sci-fi, even though it's pretty. It's, it's damn near fiction. It's so out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing now because that's funny. You could call my biography fiction. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny to me. <laughs> okay. Well, but my birthday bash, listen, let's get right to it here. I'm telling you, it's, uh, that's one thing I never thought was going to turn into anything. I used to go down to Cabo for my birthday and play at the cantina because it was losing money. And so I'd go down there and I'd say, well, I'll go down there and I'll play, you know. And, and I was always there for my birthday because I, I discovered Cabo in 77, I think it was, on my birthday, I went to Cabo for my birthday, 77, 78, and I discovered it, fell in love with it, and kept going down like an annual birthday thing, you know, before I had the cantina. But once I had the cantina, I was still going down there, so I said, well, I'm going to, I'll go down there and play, the place needs money. So I'd play for, you know, every night for a week, and uh, there'd be 200 people in there maybe or something, you know, on a good night. And I, man, it just turned into this thing where, like, this year, there was probably a thousand people outside the cantina that couldn't get in every night, and inside we must have squeezed a thousand in there. I don't know how, man. There was no room. We, we, it's like you couldn't even sell booze because you couldn't get to the bar and back. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> the waiters couldn't make it through the crowd. It was like a sardine can in there, but it was so awesome. The fans have have turned it into their own thing. Like I was sick as a dog the first two nights. I couldn't sing. I mean, it was horrible. I'm, I got intravenous doctor at my house. I'm I'm laying on my back, giving me black bagging me, you know, with every kind of breathing apparatus and everything, because I couldn't. My voice was shot, completely gone. I had a bad throat infection, and it didn't matter. I got up on stage. Nah, it's like they were acting like I was singing, like you know, the best ever sing in my life. They just pulled the mic up. The fans just sing everything. Thank God, by my birthday and the night after, the 13th and the 14th, I was well. And we did two great shows, and we filmed, and, and that's what's going to be in the theaters on December 5th. But but it just made me realize that the fans have turned the birthday bash into something that I never dreamed of. I mean, jeez, man, I never imagined that. I, I don't know what I would have done if I'd imagined that. I thought, well, I'll just move to Cabo and keep doing that until it happens, because it's some kind of a an event that there's nothing else like it. I'm telling you, nothing in my whole life, my whole t- career, the most intense Hardest core, you know, eight, nine hundred people in the world are at the birthday bash inside that building. To get inside that building, you gotta you gotta go through something that jump through hoops and know how to do tricky things to get that those tickets, you know, because we had a hundred thousand people line up for two thousand tickets this year, and it's you know when I say line up on the internet for um, the lottery, and right. so the ones that get in are the special. Fans and there ain't a, I could play the most obscure song on the planet, hold the mic up, and they'd know every word. It's it's really it's just very special. I don't know. You know I, you bring you bring up and, and the fans are such a huge part of your story because I had friends that were at that very first time the first night where you had a problem singing, 
and they had sent me some video and stuff. And I said, well, what was the vibe like? You know, because here's everybody in the lotteries and trying to get in there and then they get in there and then you come out and you, you, you I guess I Michael did a lot of the I singing. I scream. I can't whisper. I'm like, shot. And it did, but they were all cool it with it. Everybody, what did I, I say? What did he say? Everybody, well, that was just it, Sammy. Everybody, I thought it was, the, it was still a blast. We had fun. Michael sang a bunch of stuff. Everybody sang. Everybody had a good time. It was like... You know, it wasn't like, oh, my God, you know, we, I drove, I flew to Mexico and the goddamn guy didn't even sing. It was like, no, man, we had a great time. It was great. Sammy handled it great. We had fun. It was a cool thing. that Everybody enjoyed it. Anywhere except the birthday bash, I would have canceled. I mean, I said, look, I can't sing. I mean, I ain't going out there and act like this. But, but it's like the pressure on me because everyone had come down there for that and, you know, spent their life savings, you know, to make it down for the birthday bash when you're the trek, the you know the the mecca and uh if i wouldn't have shown up on that stage i think i'd have killed myself man i i, I got way too much you know love from my fans to just blow them off but it's it, it was a tough one i, I was stressing i was, you know you can ask any my friends around me i was stressing i had a doctor full time at my house just you know doing everything he can possibly do breathing through stuff man you know steroids and Man, actually, after the whole thing was over, when I was well, I felt worse when I was sick. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm sitting here laughing a second because they're talking about you celebrating 70 and still feeling so great. But behind the scenes, you're all wired up. <laughs> you got full-time medical attention. Maybe you are 70, Sammy. I don't know. You know, did you see my la- my latest Instagram where I'm the most interesting man in the world? I put all this gray in my hair. I was at Adam Levine's birth, uh, Halloween party. He has a big Halloween party every year. So Saturday night, Kari and I went, and, and she wore a, 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 a 1950s Coca-Cola girl. A red right, I dress, saw it, you know, yeah. Coca-Cola all over it. And she, and she bought, carrying a bottle of my Sammy's Beach Bar rum. So she was a rum and Coke, you got it? And, wow. I, <laughs> and I was Mr. Dos Equis, the most interesting Sam yeah. in the world. And I, and I put gray in my hair and in my beard. And when I look at that picture, I'm going, now that's probably what I'm really supposed to look like. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled it off, though, I'm telling you. I pulled it off. <laughs> the most interesting <laughs> Sam in the world. That's <laughs> it was great, man. So I, some people thought I was Polly, you know, the guy from uh, The Sopranos, because I had the white wings, you know. Polly Walnuts, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was. Uh, I pulled it off, man. I've, I got a lot of compliments from my friends about that. They're going. Wow, you really looked like the guy. And I said I was acting like him too. I was, people would come up to me and say, "Hey, man, can I take a picture?" And I'd say, "Yes, yeah, stay thirsty, my friend." You know, I, I was locked <laughs> into the whole vibe. But anyway, I'm having fun. You know what I mean? He's, well, that's it, man. You're always fun. I mean, it's always fun when it's Sammy Hagar. Hey, I want to ask you more about the, the the event, and I want to talk more about the film coming out on December 5th, and give everybody the info on that. And a couple other quick things. Do you have a few more minutes? Absolutely. All right, so we're going to put Sammy on hold. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, continue talking about this uh, historic night for his 70th birthday, the theatrical release, which you're going to be able to see in in, uh, theaters on December 5th, how you can get tickets, some of the special guests that were there, and a couple other things with the great Sammy Hagar. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, I got to tell you guys about Bombfell. 
It is unbelievable and a game changer, especially if you're someone like me who is fashion challenged or doesn't want to deal with going to malls and doesn't want to deal with shopping and has no idea about the latest styles and fashions, what you should and shouldn't wear. Bombfell, like I said, is a game changer for people like us. It is an easier way for men to get better clothing, fully personalized, every piece handpicked, ready for this, by your own stylist. Yes, you get a stylist who will email you his or her selections after which you have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel altogether. You are in total control. Then you receive the clothes you have. When you get them, you get seven days to tell Bombfell what you think, what you want to keep. You send the rest back. It's completely flexible. You can receive clothes when you want. And you can pause or cancel anytime. Let me tell you how cool this is, folks. It really is. I did this myself. It is awesome. You sign up and the they'll ask you what your measurements are. You give them the, the, the measurements, your body type. You set your budget limits. You set up your order. You get a preview email where your stylist will put together some clothing picks. And then you get a preview email. You can cancel or change anything. And then after 48 hours, everything ships out. You get your clothes. You have seven days to try them on before you're even charged. And then you pay for what you keep. You return the rest. And shipping is, of course, free both ways. It is really, really tremendous. And you guys really should check this out. I'm telling you. I went and I got the email. I filled out my information. I put my sizes. I don't have easy sizes. They had all the sizes. I heard from the stylist. She knew who I was. She was just like, hey, you know, let me help you out. Here's what I'd suggest. A shirt, a jacket. She originally sent some jeans. I said, you know what? I have enough of those jeans. Let's do something else. She sent me something else, which was another kind of like a different sort of button-down shirt, which was very nice. And it was great. It was easy. The stuff showed up a couple days later. I liked all of it, so I didn't have to send any any of it back. And here was the most amazing thing. It fit. (laughs) That never happens. It all fit. So you got to try out Bombfell, you guys, really. And I got a special code for you that was set up to try it out. Bombfell.com slash trunk. It's spelled B-O-M-B, like bomb, B-O-M-B, fell, F-E-L-L dot com slash trunk. Go there and you get special deal. Okay, you get $25 off your first purchase. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. It is a great way to get some clothing and an influx of new things and stay current. Bombfell.com, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L, bombfell.com slash trunk. Bombfell.com slash trunk. Bombfell, open and close. Hey, humans, David Smalley here from the Dogma Debate Podcast right here on Podcast One where we talk about all the things you're not supposed to discuss at work. Religion, politics, abortion, racism, slavery. And that's only when we open the Bible. We discuss Islam, Islamophobia. What does that even mean? We chat with vegans, animal rights activists, and even visit factory farms to see it for ourselves. I invite people from multiple backgrounds to convert me into their worldview. But as long as they're okay with being respectfully challenged, you better bring your evidence. And I never lose sight of how both the left and the right are seeming to lose their minds. 
So basically, we're solving all the world's problems right here on Dogma Debate. And you've been missing it. Watch our 360 virtual reality videos on the Podcast One app and download Dogma Debate on iTunes, Stitcher, or PodcastOne.com. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Sammy is telling us about what went down in Cabo for his 70th birthday just recently, actually, just a couple weeks ago. Go to fathomevents.com. That's F-A-T-H-O-M events.com. Find out a theater near you and be able to purchase tickets for this one night only theatrical screening of this film. Uh, Sammy, you know, one of the big things with your birthday bash all the time is the guests and the people that come down that you jam with. So who are people going to be seeing in this film when they, they go to the theaters? Oh, man, I'm going to get the final edit uh, today. When I, when we finish this interview, I go over to my studio where they're doing the uh, mixing of the music and we're, you know, picking which night with which song. It, it all the, the good news is it all ended up the last two nights because, like I said, there's only two nights I could sing. But we left some of the train wreck stuff in there from the dressing room. Uh, you know, it's like while they just rolled tape when I was trying to sing. Um, oh, God, is Jerry Cantrell, Toby Keith, uh, the, my... My dearest, my favorite guy from the whole thing, uh, Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC. We did Walk This Way, and we wrote a new song together called That Girl's Kitchen, which is funnier than hell. And Well, when I say funny, because it's pure sex, it's really, you know, it's just, it's, it gets right down with it. And he raps, and I sing the choruses. It's, it's kind of like we just did the same thing as Walk This Way. We just wrote a new song. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so um, oh, God, who else is there? Vinnie Paul. um Eddie Money came down this year. Uh, the the uh, drummer Alice Gonzalez from Mana. Boy, you know me. I'm always going to forget somebody. But uh, Chad Kroger. Chad Kroger. Whew, excuse me from Nickelback. We did Rockstar. <laughs> that was really cool because Chad was so wasted. That <laughs> I shouldn't be throwing him under the bus. But he come up there, and I don't and I don't know the lyrics of that song. That song's got so many lyrics in it. You know, it's like it just it's damn near a rap song. You know. And uh, he goes, how am I going to remember the lyrics? I, he goes, you don't have a teleprompter? I said, hell no, this is a Cabo Wabo, man. <laughs> There's never been a teleprompter in here. It's even better if you sing the wrong lyrics, man. So he went up there and winged it. He pulled it. It was great. The audience sang the crap out of that, too. But i got to tell you one funny story. So this, after I couldn't sing the first night, you know, we had took a night off, and so that was the ninth, and then took the tenth off and the eleventh. I said, well, I'm going to be able to sing. I know I'm going to be able to sing. You know, so Jerry Cantrell, he's going, Okay, so let's open with Man in the Box, you know, and because he I'll always stick him in the middle, and he's one of those really bashful guys. He goes, I don't want to follow somebody, man. Don't put me up there after Toby Keith or something, man. You know, he's all insecure. So he goes, can I open? So I'm going, yeah, you know. So I'm going, um, I'll I'll sing uh, Man in the Box first song right here. Let's hopefully I can sing. And in the dressing room, it's not as much for some reason when you're sick. You sometimes you get on stage and you can sing, you know. So I'm saying, you know, because of the energy of the crowd and everything. So I'm saying, I'm going to pull it off. I'll pull it off. Sure, let's do it. We come out there with, you know, with that chorus and man in the box. You go, yeah, my eyes, you know. And I fucking couldn't sing, man. <laughs> and, was, and we butchered the opening track. And then the rest of the night, we're trying to redeem ourselves. It was all good, though, because Jerry sang some songs. But uh, Bob Weir is the other guy I was forgetting about the thing. The other highlight for me was Bob Weir. When you see the outfit he's got on, his wife was with him. And the first night, 
she had she had him all dressed up, and I kind of made fun of him for kind of being dressed up. I said, Bob, man, yeah, I'd like to see you all dressed up like this. You know, he's my neighbor, pretty casual guy. You know, I see him around town, pretty pretty damn casual. And I mean, way casual, right? So the next night, he he came with his normal regalia, and it looks like his like he was something you would sleep in, like a pair of boxer shorts, kind of, and a ripped up old tank top that wasn't even. It wasn't even, I don't know, man, and like these sandals. He looks so rough, and he walks out on stage, and he starts playing a song none of us knew. It was like, what? I, I go, well, we're in the Grateful Dead now. This is the way we're going to do it. He's playing this old Willie Dixon song, an old blues tune called uh, Wang Dang Doodle. And uh, it just came out. We, we fell into it like they did. There was no real beginning, and there was no real end. And it just like the Grateful Dead. It kind of just started and went out into outer space. And kind of came back and landed somewhere. It's like, I don't know. The birthday bash for me is like anything goes. And the people that get it, like Bob Weir and, you know, Jerry Cantrell has been there a million times. uh, It's really Toby Keith. You know, the guys that just come out there and say, what do you want to do, Sam Bo? I say, I still finished what you started. Maybe I love this bar. You know, it's it's that casual. And here we're we're running 11 cameras in, in 4K, you know, the most expensive format there is. And, uh. And we're up there doing things like that. It's great. It's yeah. I, I'm so glad we captured it. It's really, really something. I think that all those people that have been trying to get down there all the years, they they finally can see it. You know, it's it's uh, it's real. It, we you left know, a lot uh, you of mentioned, stuff in there. A lot of train wrecks in there. Let's put it like that. <laughs> well, that makes it fun. You know, you mentioned um, you know working with the crew. You you and I are working with the same people now at Access TV. And I, because uh, I'm sh- I'm shooting a show for them now that's going to come out next year, and well, I hear from them. Anyway, what what show? Your old show? It's my own show. Yeah, it's going to be called Trunk Fest. Oh man, right on, man. You know how many people ask me all the time to get you? They say, hey man, you know those guys, man. You know Mark Cuban. Why don't you get Eddie to do his that metal show on that on that channel? I'm going, okay, I'll try, I'll try. So I guess <laughs> it's done, right on. Well, I'm, I'm well, well, it's Eddie. not. It, it's not that metal show. Mark doesn't want to do that metal show, but we. It is going to be a show called Trunk Fest, and it's me covering music festivals. And I, I oh, shot. Right on. Uh, I shot four episodes already, and I got to do a few more before the show's going to debut and start airing. But I'm working with the same guys, with with Evan and Stormer and all those guys. So I'm getting them sometimes on my shoots right after they're done with you. And they're just like, oh, man, we just came from Cabo. We're beat to shit, you know? (laughs) And I was like, oh, man, Sam is wearing out the crew. They're the greatest guys in the world. I'm going to tell you a secret about how they work with me. They they get they're the most um, I, you know we you and I we both done with uh, crews with the film crews. They want to do like nine hours of crap just to get thirty seconds of of you know right. of, of content right. And most crews they work it to death. These guys they're smart man. They know me now and and after about our third or fourth rock and roll road trip. They go, no, that's it. He got it. You know, somebody say, well, you want to get a safety? You know, you want to get one more? He's going, no, no, he nailed it. You know, they know when I when I nailed it because they got to know me. And you're going to love working with these guys. If you haven't already noticed that, they know yes. when you're on and when you're not. They don't want to get you 300 takes to, you know, to 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 figure out which one's the good one. They they they're they're awesome. Sammy could not. Guys. I could not agree with you more because I've been there in my years in TV. Do it 15 yeah. times for no reason. It is so <laughs> refreshing to do that. It's just like here's what we need. Go do it once. Yeah, we're done. We're good. I mean, that's the way to do it. It's it's awesome. But you know, I it mentioned because here's 
Yeah, it of makes course. It fresh. And you... People can see the difference, the energy and the enthusiasm, because after about the 10th take, you're going, oh, boy, now I'm just going to read the damn thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... and I mean, I'm watching your show on Access, Rock and Roll Road Trip. I saw your episode. I watch it all the time, and I saw the episode you did with Toby Keith at his, like, compound or whatever he has, which yeah, is amazing. What we call that, right? <laughs> <laughs> How did you get to know him so well? How did you get to be, how did you first meet him? Where did you get, become tight with him? You know, before he really made it, uh, he he was just ready to come out with that song, What About Me, or Let's Talk About Me, or whatever it was, his first kind of big crossover hit. And uh, the, he was ready to come out with that record, and he was in, in Vegas, and some friend of mine knew him because um, they booked him for a show. And and uh, we had a, both had nights off together, and they, we, we, the guy asked him if we want to have dinner with Toby, and we watched a fight. You know, we watched a, a boxing match between, uh, oh God, I forget Bernard Hopkins and uh, uh, so the, a long time ago. Anyway, so um, when Hopkins was still uh, light heavyweight champ, so when we watched the fight, I won thirty thousand dollars. We're sitting there eating steaks, man, watching the fight on the big screen. I had bet ten grand; it was three to one. I bet on Hopkins, and and uh, he, I won thirty grand. So Toby says, "Damn, you know." So we went over, and I got thirty thousand bucks in cash. And I said, "Let's go, Toby." I told the guy from the casino, I said, "Hey, rent us a you know a big party van. We're going out." <laughs> and we went out, and we went to bars and just jumped up on stage and sang Skinner tunes, and and stuff like that, you know. And and we just became buddies. I mean, the guy. Toby is the most for real guy I, I think I know in the business. If you say to Toby, "Hey, Toby, I need your help," he say, "You got it, brother. What time you want me there?" And you don't. I don't care where it is, when it is. If he says I'm in, you don't have to get no contract. You don't have to talk to his manager. You don't have to do none of that crap. The guy will show, and he will be there. He came. He had an, a, a show the next night after the my. Uh, the 11th when he came down from my birthday bash, he flew all the way down there, played golf all day. Came and sang with me that night and left the next morning. I mean, because mm. he just wanted to be there for my birthday, for my 70th. You know, it's like, hey, Sambo, I wouldn't miss it for anything, you know. He goes, hell, you, you don't, he, what, what does he say, you, you don't look 70 <laughs> or something. But he put it some kind of way like I look older. <laughs> <laughs> you look 80. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something. He, he's a funny guy, but he's he's really a, a cool great human being he's for real what you see is what you get with toby and i wouldn't want to be on the other side of a in a bar the other side of the fence against him you know what i mean he's a big boy and uh he rolls with some other big boys man they walk into your dressing room you just start going yes sir man. move out of the way and let this guy sit down you know he's, he's he's a big guy yeah i don't know him at all but i i, I enjoyed that the conversation with the two of you guys during that uh that episode of the show i don't want to keep you forever man you know i can there's a million things i love to talk to you about but let me just let me just hit you with a couple quickies here because um we mentioned montrose a second ago i i should mention because they'd probably kill me if i didn't that there's actually a new ronnie montrose record that you're on called 10 by 10 where you sing a song called colorblind so this was stuff that he was he had put together, I guess, at the time of his death that you guys came in and finished off, right? Yeah, is what it was was um, about five years before his death, four years before his death, he uh, started working on this record where he was kind of trying to do a duet record, kind of like what Carlos Santana did, and so he was he asked me, and he, he I thought I think he had Paul Stanley, he had a bunch of people online at the time, but but Ronnie wasn't, he's not a very social guy. I mean, he was. Um, obviously a loner, and, and, and he, so it was hard for him to get to people because he didn't have a record company guy out there, you know, like, 
you know, uh, Joe Smith or, you know, somebody like that going, calling people up. He was doing it all himself. So he never got it done. And he got mine done. First thing he asked me to do it, sure. He sent me the music. I wrote the lyrics and sang Colorblind, which I think is, when I heard it the other day, somebody, you know, played it, and I, I was going, wow, that's really good. That's <laughs> better than I remember. Because it, it's got to be five years old, you know, that, that when we did it, maybe longer. And um, so I did it, and then it just went in the can. And the only thing that, you know, Ronnie was such a hard-headed guy that I said, well, why don't you use Bill and Denny on this song, for God's sakes. You know, he's got a drummer and a bass player. I even forget who they are. Uh, maybe it's Ricky Phillips because he finished the record. I think he might have been playing. And, and Eric Singer, yeah. There you go. So, And I said, so why wouldn't you use Bill and Denny? They're still alive. And he said, I don't want to do that. I'm going, damn, what a hard-headed knucklehead. You know what I mean? He could, he could have the, the original Montrose on this record, right. you know, like what I did on... on uh, 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 marching to Mars, you know, I had warmth of the womb, and I, I used Ronnie, Bill, and Denny. You know, I'm going, hey, we're still alive. Let's, you know, see if we can kindle one more fire. You know, but um, the song came out great, and and um, Ricky Phillips, man, he did a great job getting people to play on it. The crazy thing is, is Colorblind, it doesn't even have Ronnie's guitar solo. He was playing rhythm, had a bass and a drummer. I did the vocals, and then. He never finished it, so Steve Lukather played a guitar solo on there that when I heard it gave me goosebumps all over my body because I thought it was Ronnie. Mm. He really played a Ronnie-style solo. and uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I haven't really sat down and listened to the whole record, but i got to say that song uh, is, is pretty damn good. I'm going to have to throw it in my set, you know? Yeah, 10 by 10 is the name of the record. That's out right now, uh, Ronnie Montrose record, and a bunch of special guests, including Sammy, on, on one track. One other thing, on, on i got to ask you this because... Um, of course you do. i got to, because <laughs> who was it? It was, you know, we, we you mentioned the special guests that were at your party, and of course it goes without saying that the circle, Jason Bonham and, and oh. Vic, and of course Michael Anthony, that was your your, your boys were all there. When when uh, so when your birthday and you turn seventy rolls around, any any text, any call, any anything from the Van Halen brothers saying happy birthday? Well, no, there wasn't. And you know what, Eddie, you you being the most freaking rain man, brilliant guy in this business of of, uh, of history of people and knowing what they do and what they have and what they haven't done, uh, I got to say, people say. What's going on with Van Halen? Okay, absolutely nothing. I have no idea. I haven't heard from the guys. And to me, they made a real strong statement by not wishing me a happy birthday uh, for my 70th. You know, it's like, especially amongst the fact that so many people have died. I mean, we just, you know, a week before that, Tom Petty died. You know, Tom Petty's birthday was the next Thursday after mine. And, uh, you know, he was still a young man, as far as I'm concerned. And, um, with all them people dying, when, you know, if somebody turns 70, that's a monumental thing. You know, it's like you would think if they ever wanted to be friends, it would be so easy. Or Even if they didn't want to be friends, it's just something that would be the right thing to do. And the other clincher to me was when Michael Anthony's grandson, you know, his brand new baby dies. Uh, and even uh, Dave sent, uh, you know, I'm sorry uh, to, to Mike. And he sent money too. He sent money because I had yeah, Michael on money. my radio show to promote that walk, and Michael said Dave made a huge donation to that walk. There you go. So, and you know, Dave's not the friendliest guy in the world, but <laughs> at least he had the class to do that. I, I don't know what's wrong with those two brothers, man. For them not to do anything for that, and then again uh, on my birthday, I didn't. Ex- 
expect it, but I kind of thought, yeah, they, you know, I don't know. You know, I really didn't think about it, but people keep bringing it up. Oh, you must have heard from the brother. Did Eddie wish you? No. And so it's all that says to me is that it's over, man. That Those guys do not want to be friends. And if they don't want to be friends, then they, we certainly ain't going to do a reunion because that I mean I would just do the, a reunion for some money or something. You know, I mean, I would love to do it for the fans. I really would. But other than that, nah, I, I'm, I'm uh I'm over it, man. If they don't want to be friends, that's we got to be friends before we can do any kind of business together. So I don't know. To me, it's kind of uh, put the nails in the coffin. It's kind of mm, well, that's done. You know, put foreclosure on that. You know, you know. You remember when I reached out because I was going through my uh, bad year about everyone dying, and and I was just going, my God, I don't want to take any chances in life. I don't want to take any enemies to my grave. And I started reaching out to three or four people in my life, and uh, Ed now we're one of them, and. Um, yeah, you know they just they don't they 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 are mad about something. <laughs> I don't know what I ever did, but anyway, all good. I'm not uh, I'm not upset about it. I'm kind of it's kind of like yeah, that's a good thing, man. They finally just proved to me that it's really over, and I'm now I can say okay, forget it, on with it. I love the circle. The circles, you know, I can play any Van Halen song I want in the circle, and we play the crap out of it. So uh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I bring it up because obviously it was such a it's a big part of your story. And I, I it's kind of disappointing as a like you said, as a human being, as a fan, uh, just to even if it led to nothing to know that there was uh, enough of a like you said, we're losing too many people to at least say, hey, man, 70. That's a big one. You know, have a yeah. great day. That's it. You yeah. know, would have been nice. But uh, what can you do now? You got plenty of other great stuff to fall back on and oh, uh, and have happening. And you've got your plate more than full. You got the booze going with Adam Levine. You got the TV show going. I mean, why the hell do you want to still work this hard at 70 years old? That's what I'm trying to figure out, man. I'm 53. <laughs> I want to dial shit back. Sammy, what are you doing, man? I made the decision, you know, about four or five years ago, my my wife could tell you, Kari would tell you, I, I was going through some, some times, I'm going, you know, I don't know what I want to do, man, I'm, I'm just, I think I'm just going to quit, I'm just going to retire, and I kind of took some time off, and, and it, it, right away I came up with a new idea, which was the mosquito, you know, with, with uh, this new thing, and I'm going, I'm an idea guy, and I'm a, a roll up your sleeves and a hard work instead of a gun. I've worked so hard my whole life. I've worked, worked, worked. And it ain't hard to me. But, I mean, if you look at what I've done, all the different projects and stuff, that, you know, it takes work to do that. And I'm just, so I just decided, I just told Kari, I just woke up one morning and said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to be one of those guys. I'm going to work my whole life, okay? I, I, in what capacity? I don't know. I'll sing as long as I can sing. I'll be happy to jump up on stage and sing. If I can't sing anymore, I'm not going to do that. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to work. You know what I mean? I'm going to start new projects. I'll open more restaurants. I'll I'll do more philanthropy. I'll you know I, I don't know. I'll uh, I'll do whatever I wanted to do. You know what I mean? That's it. I'll do what I want to do, and that is called retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so your retirement is continuing to work and doing whatever the hell you want to do. There you go. That's retirement well, to me. You know, there's what I mean? something to be said for that. As long as you don't, if you don't have to answer to anybody, because that's the biggest thing. If you don't have to answer to anybody, you don't have a boss. You don't have to deal with the bullshit that comes with working. Then yeah, it's fun to work because it's your passion. It's all the other exactly. peripheral shit. If you can cut that out, you're good. Yeah, the only person I have to answer to is my wife, and she's my boss. And uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I know I'm, Carrie. I don't think she could be that tough, could she? No, I'm, I, I hold a pretty damn good argument when I say, look. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is what I do, right? You married this guy, right? This is what I do. I work, you know. I wake up in the morning and I think, now what am I going to do today? It's got to be constructive. I don't play golf, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Well, listen, right. man, you know, I, I could talk to you forever, but I'll let you go. I want to remind everybody to check out Sammy Hagar's Red Till I'm Dead 70th Birthday Bash, one night only in theaters, December 5th. All the special guests, all the jams, all the hijinks, and you can find out a theater near you and get tickets for the uh, screening at fathomevents.com. And I'm assuming after that, people will who can't get to a theater or don't have one near them will be able to see this in other ways, whether on TV or as a Blu-ray or whatever. I'm sure it'll come out in all the formats eventually, right? Yeah, probably will. I'm not looking at any DVDs, but uh, Access TV is going to have an hour version of it, and uh, and we're editing that next, so... Yeah, down the road. But yeah, I want everybody to see this, man. It's like, come on, this is this is. Uh, I've been uh, I've been doing this for a long time. It's the most fun thing I do in music. Here it is, the birthday pass. Boom. <laughs> and speaking of music, for you going forward, you just you got circle dates and uh, any chicken foot stuff, or is it mostly just the circle right now? Well, I, I'm Joe, and I have been talking. If if he, when he finishes his tour next June, if he has enough time and if Chad's available, about doing a chicken foot record or another chicken foot record. And if if that if they can't do it, if we can't all get together, then I'm going to do a circle record. Right? And it's going to be one or the other. Those are my two favorite bands in the world, and I would like to do a circle record. I'm just afraid that how can you compare my catalog with something we might write today to where Chickenfoot's got its own thing. But, you know, the circle we play, you know, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, Sammy Hagar, Montrose, Chickenfoot, it's like to write songs that fit in that set, boy, they better be good, right? <laughs> you yeah. In between, I can't drive 55 and right now, let's say, you know, what are you going to slip, a brand new one going to slip in there? Whew, you don't want to put the people to sleep. So we got I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a little nervous about doing a, a circle record, but Chickenfoot record, um, I'm going to do a record. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, listen, man, I appreciate the time. It's always good to talk to you. Again, happy 70th, and uh, I know you got many more great years of, of music and kicking ass and, and having some fun left in you, too, and I look forward to seeing you somewhere in the near future, man. Thank you, Eddie, and uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen out there listening to Eddie, uh, we call him the rock and roll metal rain man, okay? There's nothing <laughs> he don't know. You cannot stump the Trump. You know that shirt, hold on to that, that shirt you made for me. You made me. You made me that T-shirt, man. Somebody just put it. Somebody posted it. Honor, man. I did. Somebody posted it online the other day, and I tweeted back, and I said, Sammy Hagar designed that thing. I said, I'm very proud of that, so it was very cool. You can't stump the Trump. All right. Trump. Take care, brother. Whoa, easy More now. Trump. <laughs> hey, what'd you call me? All right. Bye, Eddie. I'll see you, Sammy. Well, thank you to Sammy Hagar, my guest on this week's edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday via podcastone.com or iTunes. Always free. Spread the word. Download. Subscribe and grab it each and every week. So uh, next week, we'll see what I'm going to do for you. Be sure to follow on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. The producer of the Eddie Trunk podcast is the one and only Katie Irizarry, and we thank her for the work she puts in. And, of course, thanks to everybody for listening. Most importantly, don't forget my Amazon page, Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Always begin your Amazon shopping there. And uh, I will see you guys again next Thursday for another all-new episode. Have a great week, everybody.
Howdy folks, it's good old J.R. Jim Ross, pro wrestling broadcaster and barbecue enthusiast, inviting you to join me every week for my podcast, The Ross Report, right here on Podcast One. Each week, I talk to the biggest stars in sports entertainment. We talk about the news of the day, MMA, wrestling, football, and much more. Recently, I've talked to such folks as Chris Jericho, Kane, Sonny, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, and Emmy winner Rory Carp. Download and listen to The Ross Report every Tuesday at PodcastOne.com, the brand new Podcast One app, and be sure, folks, to rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.